it's Big Joe for Absolute Comfort, your trusted, independent, American Standard Air dealer. Owner Chris Wedekin sells the ductless Mitsubishi Electric Mini Split, which is a great option to heat and cool individual spaces while blending into the decor. If you want your poker room to be dressed up, you could take a vinyl wrap and put on these. If you like the more modern look, they have styles in black, silver, and pearl white that would be more aesthetically pleasing for your rooms. Find out more at absolutecomfort.org. Absolute Comfort is your trusted, independent, American Standard Air Mitsubishi Electric Elite Ductless Pro Dealer. Good morning. It is Friday, October 21st, and trending this hour, UK Prime Minister Liz Truss, or should I say former Prime Minister. She quit after just 44 days in office. It was a chaotic tenure. You know, Rob, I've been using the same tube of toothpaste for her entire tenure. (laughs) That's how long she was in office. Also trending, winter. NOAA has released their winter outlook. They predict a drier than average condition across the south and wetter than average conditions for the Ohio Valley and the Great Lakes. And finally trending, Taylor Swift. She has released her 10th album. It is called Midnights. It's the culmination of 16 years in the spotlight that leaves nothing unsaid. Collaborations on the album include... Songs with Zoe Kravitz, her boyfriend, Taylor Swift's boyfriend, and also well, Lana Del Rey. Well, okay, we'll get to Lana Del Rey in a second. So, so now this will be the first album she's ever done that doesn't complain about some crummy ex-boyfriend or no, relationship. No, 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 no. It's always someone else's fault. No, 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 no. The entire album is inspired by self-loathing. Oh, so it's it's ever just like every other Taylor Swift album that's ever existed. You know, she put a couple albums out during the pandemic, and this one apparently just picks right back up before the previous two albums. You know, if which you're, means it should probably be a little more poppy, less melancholy. If you're a gajillionaire, mm-hmm. to use a Joe Biden term, if you're worth two hundred <laughs> billion trillion kajillion kajillion dollars, mm-hmm. and you are a decent looking person, which Taylor Swift is, yeah. and you are one of the most famous people in the world, and you can't hold a steady boyfriend, what's going on there? You ever asked yourself that? Because every album, it's somebody else's fault. Mm -hmm. And the vast majority of her music, it seems like, is about... I mean, is that the Taylor Swift fan? Someone who... Because you like this music. Mm -hmm. I listened to to her this morning. What, What do you get out of it? It's just poppy little tunes. But it's all about the same stuff. <laughs> she's, yes. either, she's either in, she's in love with some guy one album, and then by the uh, next album... He's she, broken her heart. And, and it's always all That's his right. fault. Right. That's right. Uh, everybody needs, you know, music like that in their life. Maybe not you, but... Every single album. Uh, hey, 15-year-olds have broken hearts as well. Kevin. she's never written a song about uh, good, hard-working Americans? You know, like Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, the working man. Yeah, the working man. Oh, please. Yeah. You're just trying to get brownie points over there. Maybe she should just switch up her tune a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. She did that, the last two albums, and they were okay. Yeah, just, I just. So it, she's got Lana Del Rey on this new yes, album. Yes, yes, and this is why we, we mentioned this. So, uh, and I know, I know that you have people that are big fans of Lana Del Rey. My wife loves Lana Del Rey, and I had no idea who this person was before I uh, I met her, and she uh, she made me very familiar with all the Lana Del Rey stuff. Mm-hmm. 
And Lana Del Rey was for a while dating Sean Sticks Larkin, who is one of the stars of It Was Live PD. Now it's on Patrol Live, which we watch every Friday oh, and look, Saturday this night. Is where you guys come together. And uh, so I have taken a <laughs> mild passing interest, and I have gotten to the point now where I can pretend to hear her music and go, Yeah, that, that's pretty good. Okay. I mean, I, does this sound convincing? Yeah, that's really good. <laughs> You've been practicing. That is really deep. <laughs> That is marvelous. That is really touching. Well, she recently had her laptop and camera and a book stolen from her car. Okay, so so the, this is not the normally the sort of story that we lead an hour with, but this to me is so ridiculous that I I have to pick your brain on on this as well, and I will for you too, Kevin. So we're gonna hear her explain this in a second, but just high level what happened here. She was apparently working on a book with. Simon and Schuster. Mm-hmm. She was basically done with the book or almost done with the book. She's writing this book. Right. She also had a new album that was coming out. Mm-hmm. She was mostly done with this album. And for some reason, it was the 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 master file was was placed on a laptop computer that she carried around with her. Yeah. Now, look, I get that I am an old soul and I know nothing about the current environment, but Kevin, this is where you will come in on this. When you think about like somebody producing a record, don't you think like, okay, at... I don't think Columbia is Columbia Records even a thing anymore, but yes. it, it, it's still a thing. At Columbia Records, don't you picture there being some warehouse where after each taping, they take like reels of stuff and it is placed in a secure vault <laughs> somewhere? Do you picture yeah. like like a megastar like Lana Del Rey just it's sitting on a laptop somewhere? That just blew my mind. You, you would also think that they would back it up on a hard drive or like at least a few hard drives. Yes. Yeah, so she has. So think about this. Lana Del Rey is a, is a world famous singer. She's doing a book. Mm-hmm. She's doing a new album. You basically have what I would describe as a lottery ticket worth, you know, I'm just picking a number here, but $5 million. Yeah. And if you had a lottery ticket worth $5 million, would you just be leaving it in your car? Like you're getting out to go to a cafe in Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There's a five million dollar lottery ticket Especially, in the car. Doesn't she have like paparazzi following her, and you know people would recognize her on the street. This is so this is what an easy blo- target. But she left mm-hmm. this laptop mm-hmm. that had all of these things that are worth to steal a Biden phrase a gajillion dollars in her car, and here is what happened to Lana Del Rey in Beverly Hills. So I wanted to talk to you guys about something for a minute. Um, A few months ago, I parked my car on Melrose Place, and I stepped away for a minute. And the one time I left my backpack inside my car, uh, someone broke all of the windows and took it. And inside of it was my computer and my three camcorders and my hard drives. And I had to remotely wipe the computer that had my 200-page book for Simon & Schuster, um, which I didn't have backed up on a cloud because we do not have any, you know, cloud systems that we access. And despite that, people are still able this week to remotely access my phone and leak our songs and personal photos. And I just want to 
mention that despite all of this happening, I am confident in the record to come. And despite so many safety factors in so many different levels, I really want to persist and make the best art I can. Okay. So here, okay. You, again, this just blows my mind that if you're writing a book and it's, it's like a book that, you know, will sell many, many copies, 200 pages she's worked on and you have an album that's coming out that there is not some central location, some central secure location where only three people have access to it. And y'all got to have fingerprint and facial ID, but okay. That clearly didn't happen. All right. But now you have this thing and you just carry it around with you. Wouldn't you, like, you're Lana Del Rey, you're worth um, infinite money. Wouldn't you hire some security guy? Okay, Fred, your job is to live at my house at all times. And when I am not at this house, your job with a loaded shotgun uh, or uh, something with a high capacity magazine, stand next to this bag and make sure nobody ever comes near it. Okay, so this is her ninth studio album. Am I crazy for saying that, that you just leave that in your car? It's not the first time it's happened to her either, (laughs) Rob. What? Yes. Back in December of 2019, a bunch of her personal items were stolen. So it's not the first time. She should have known better than to leave that in her car. Locked or unlocked. You you know, take it with you. This is why I drive a golf cart and I own nothing of any value. Like, I guarantee there's probably been someone at some point that was like, I I, am in the area in which my car was parked that is breaking into various cars. It has to have happened at some point. And I lived in a house for years and years and years where I had no garage. But I'm certain what has happened is they have looked at that car and the lack of anything in it and said, (laughs) not worth my time and kept on going. Same thing with my house. There's nothing of any value in my house. You know why? Because if you get in there, what are you going to take? Right. The bulldog? I don't know. She's <laughs> the bulldog's worth a lot. She's urged her fans not to listen to the leaks that are now <laughs> appearing online. <laughs> And she said she would ultimately reward them. Kevin, you, uh, you, Uno Gold, which has yeah. a show tonight. Where can people see you at? Uh, Melody Inn. What time? At, uh, 10 p.m. 10 p- That's late. Yeah, it's a late one. That's late. Okay, so Melody Inn, 10 p.m. Uno.gold on the Instagram. Correct. Mm-hmm. Where, and you're working on something now, right? Aren't yeah, you? Yeah, I mean, we've got an EP in the works. What? That's and, extended play. Right. For all you music aficionados out there do you just store it on a laptop yeah well i've got it on my laptop (laughs) but let me finish i've got it on a uh i have like two or three hard drives okay that i back it up to okay so in case one hard drive uh breaks or Mm -hmm. i spill something on it i've got a backup for okay yes all right safety perfect the other thing that was stolen from her were personal photos oh yeah Personal photos. Oh, These aren't publicity sure. shots. This isn't a photo. I hope Sticks shoot. isn't in there. These are personal photos. Uh, I hope Sean Sticks Larkin is not in any of those photos. <laughs> I would expect better from him. Yeah, uh, it's kind of. <laughs> did did I make too much of this story, or did this did this blow your guys' mind too? That this that this operates that you would just carry a bag like this around. With it's, all this stuff in it. And you leave it in your car. Yeah, it's, it, it's it's not a smart move on her part. She's got so much information that she said she's not backing up. Because I feel terrible for her. There's part of me that is going, oh my gosh, you poor person. Like, you put all this effort into these things and they were stolen. But, but she should have yeah. known but better. But then it's like, you're worth a 
gajillion dollars. Don't just leave it out there in yes. your car. Do you think her label would be pretty pissed about that, too? Well, yeah. Right. I mean, clearly her music is getting out there. And but they were also kind of irresponsible about it. Well I, well, I guess that's a great point. Doesn't the record label bear some responsibility, or Simon & Schuster, to say, hey, here's how we're going to secure this stuff, mm-hmm. and I'm not a cybersecurity expert, which is why I do almost nothing on the internet. Mm-hmm. But they're, like, this just seems like it makes me feel better about my own life that people who are worth infinitely more than me are infinitely less responsible than Still I am. Still being irresponsible. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? To the to the record company, though, I mean, she may have been doing it in a studio in her house or something. It's not like maybe she was paying for her own studio time. You know? Like, if, if they were paying for the studio time. But wouldn't there be some mechanism by which you would say it's like keys in the bowl of some sort where nothing <laughs> nothing goes out and nothing goes in other than your talent. Mm-hmm. I, uh, maybe I'm just way off base Perplexing. on this. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC and coming up we're going to talk about where the migrants that are going to New York get to stay. It's a sweet pad. You might be jealous. It's on the way from 93 WIBC. So W is coming to the great state of Indiana. Former President George W. Bush is going to share the stage with Purdue University President Mitch Daniels. It's called A Conversation with George W. Bush. It's scheduled for 6 p.m. on December 6th in the Elliott Hall of Music. It's going to feature a discussion of leadership in challenging times and the responsibilities of an informed citizen. So basically, if I'm understanding you correctly, since you said it is going to, what is it going to feature? How did they describe that of what it'll be talked about? A discussion of leadership in challenging times. So George Bush is basically going to tell you everything not to do in challenging times. Is that, (laughs) did I understand that correctly? Also the responsibilities of an informed citizen. Oh, I see. And it is, there also a, segment on how to manipulate data in front of the United Nations? Is there a is there a speech on ill-begotten wars for people who had nothing to do with attacking us? Is there a, is there a, a segment on government giveaways and bailing out uh, the auto industry and bailing out the financial industry and adding trillions of dollars to the national debt? Will those also be covered in the speech? Well, I haven't seen the bullet points of what he's going to be talking about. You know, you know what's wild about this, Casey, is the what, how did they describe it again? What was the description? <laughs> a discussion of uh. leadership in challenging times you, you, and the responsibilities of an informed citizenship. You, you know what's so weird is many of the challenging times that George mm-hmm. W. Bush had to lead through, he created. I mean, it's pretty wild. He gets to give a speech on leading during challenging times when it should be leading during challenging times that you've created. Now, you would be talking about the Iraq War. Well, I'd be talking about the Iraq War. I'd be talking about the financial crisis. I'd be Mm -hmm. talking about bailing out the auto industry. I'd be talking about a bevy of things. I'd be talking about a border crisis because George Bush did nothing for that. But I digress. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm not a cancel culture person, uh, so I believe he should be allowed to speak. And I know Mitch Daniels once worked for George W. Bush back Mm -hmm. when he was still pretending to be moderately conservative shortly after he had been elected president. Mm -hmm. He was there at the Office of Management and Budget. By the way, this is a uh, presidential lecture series that they've been doing at Purdue. I would not be able to go to this because I do believe in decorum and I do believe in respecting people. You wouldn't be able to go? No, I wouldn't. I would would, would do or say something that would (laughs) not be becoming of someone in my very, uh, very... 
Uh, well, look, let's face it, Casey. I'm sort of a pillar of strength in this community. <laughs> okay. And it wouldn't really, it would not serve Hoosiers it well for someone Hoosiers in my well. position yeah. to berate to berate George W. Bush in an auditorium full of people. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be able to go. Right. But yeah. your daughter goes to Purdue. She does. And I'm curious if she is has attended any of these or, because he's done, Mitch Daniels has done many of these. Right. And has she attended or is this something she might be interested in? I don't believe she's attended any of them and I would guess that she probably wouldn't go to this one either. However, oh. however, uh-huh. I will tell you, she has seen President Bush speak in utero. In where? In utero. That sounds like a body part. Mm-hmm, exactly. Wasn't that a Nirvana album? <laughs> <laughs> so I've seen Bush speak twice, once at the South Bend Airport when he was a candidate, and the other time when he spoke at a Notre Dame commencement uh-huh. when he was the president. I was pregnant at the time. Oh. So she has seen him speak. She Well, she's heard him, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? I get now? what you're saying. I was okay. like, I was like, is this some some place near uh, Joshua Tree no. somewhere or now something? Now keep in mind, this was all pre 9 11. Yeah, right. So well, and and look, George W. Bush. The the how did they describe this speech again, Casey? What was it? To you? I hate to keep asking you to do that, but uh, you know, I just I just thought maybe one more time our audience discussion might of leadership and challenging times. Yeah, and and so what what is interesting is, and we talk about this with Trump a lot. And I talked about this, in fact, with Hammer and Nigel yesterday about mm-hmm. Trump. It's easy to do well when your back is not up against the wall. And when your back is up against the wall or you're facing times of great crisis, you see who a person really is. And in the case of Trump, look at what Trump's response to COVID was. Going along with the Congress bribing states to shut the state down and printing trillions of dollars and keeping Fauci in charge. That was his response. This is why we, I've said numerous times, I don't want Trump to be the president again, because in times of crisis, Trump did not respond well. In times of crisis, DeSantis did respond well. Same thing with George W. Bush. It's easy when you're running. It's easy when you first get elected to say, oh, tax reform. And he mm-hmm. did pass tax cuts, which he didn't, of course, stop spending. But when the crisis hit, what was the response? Massive unaccountable, uncontrolled growth of government and America's military footprint abroad. That was his response to Mm 9-11. You see who people are in crisis. And in this case, many of them were self-made crises. I think the interesting thing about uh, the Bush-Gore years, Mm -hmm. that that election, people were questioning that election 22 years ago. Sure. They weren't. They weren't labeled election deniers. Well, they were. But we now know, Casey, that all those Democrats were a bunch of democracy-hating, semi-fascist uh, election deniers. I mean, we know that now. We, we learn things over time. You know who's not a democracy hater? Kurt Darling and the news. And it's up next. It's ninety-three WIBC. I'm so sorry you have just bleached my answering machine. 317-684-8444. That is the phone number for your voicemails. Questions, comments, smart remarks. 
This is your opportunity to get involved and engage with the show, and we love hearing from you, too. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Ah, yes, and one of the big things that continues to spur interest in this show, and buckle up, Bal, because I think it's going to be a much bigger thing after uh, the 1st of November, is the debate over who is or should be the standard bearer for the Republican Party, Mm. Ron DeSantis Mm -hmm. or Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And Casey, really, at this point, there are really two camps of people. And I have thought about this last night. There is the camp of people that are pragmatic, that have thought things through, that have actually looked at the evidence of the actions of the two men in front of them and have made the very wise choice that Donald Trump cannot win. He cannot coalition build. If by some chance he did win, he cannot govern. And the guy has behaved like a total maniac. And thus we are ready for someone who has actually been reliably conservative and liberty driven during crisis, Ron DeSantis, who is pretty much, if you were to draw up a perfect candidate to seize the Republican mantle, uh, the guy's life has been the most charmed existence of imaginable. He was in the Little League World Series as a child, mm-hmm. played college athletics, mm-hmm. uh, as an Ivy League graduate, uh, married a woman who was on the Golf Channel, served admirably in the military, <laughs> uh, has two beautiful children, mm-hmm. and continues to deliver. So those, they're, they're, there's those people. That's the camp we're in. Mm-hmm. And then there's the people who, well, they're just, they're thinking with their hearts and not with their heads, and they want to be right in their wrongness. And we got a phone call from one of those people today. Rob, Casey, I learn all the time. I usually agree with you, but you guys are dead wrong about DeSantis, and here's why. Yeah. The political class, the wealthy donors, the special interest groups, the federal bureaucracy, the media, you just call it all the system. The system has spent the last several years standing against one person, and that person is Trump. They're not scared of DeSantis. That's the issue. They're not scared of him. Yet that one caller talking about getting things done, well, that's the problem because getting things done in practice means pretending to oppose Democrats while giving them most of what they want. You know, all the spending bills that Biden has passed that Republicans went along with, that's getting things done, according to rhinos. You want to talk about getting things done, look into Schedule F appointments. That's F as in Frank. It's a program Trump was trying to implement as a way of making federal bureaucrats easier to fire and replace. That's the only getting things done I want to see, and that's what they're actually scared of. You know, you say, oh, this time it'll be different for Trump supporters, but from where I'm sitting, that's what you guys are doing with DeSantis, because you spend so much time talking about Todd Young and Eric Holcomb and Lindsey Graham and these fake Republicans. Well, guess what? DeSantis is going to be no different from those guys, and you're getting suckered by this cheap imitation of Trump that he's doing. You know, people forget that DeSantis did lockdowns, just like Eric Holcomb did. He didn't do mess, but he did lockdowns, and that killed jobs and cost people their businesses and everything. So, you know, I almost hope DeSantis gets in there so I can tune into your show in 2026, and you'll be complaining about what a rhino he is. You know, that'll be really funny. Thanks, guys. Okay, so you lived in Florida Mm -hmm. during COVID. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, explain to us how long you were locked down, what it was like to live in Florida, because this guy has made a very bold pronouncement here, and you lived there, so tell us what experience in life was like for you. Yeah, uh, I do recall that there was a couple weeks there, 
Where oh, you mean, the, you mean to flatten the curve? To flatten the curve. Which we were told. And they did say, they even shut the beaches down. Yeah. And I believe it was CNN who was putting out pictures of the beaches being packed. Mm-hmm. But it was a bogus picture. Do you yeah. remember that? It yes. was from Jacksonville. Uh-huh. And it wasn't even from during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did restrict the restaurants, mm-hmm. but then they opened them back up to 50% mm-hmm. and, or, you know, 25% and then 50%. Mm-hmm. And I actually was sitting <laughs> in a restaurant when it was open and a snake fell on me from a tree above. Oh, how and, um, But here in Indiana, it was still very much 100% sure. locked down. Um, so what you're saying is Ron DeSantis went along with the government bargain with the citizenry, which is 15 days to flatten the curve, Mm -hmm. and then shortly thereafter Mm -hmm. began to reopen society as they were told, as they had said they would do. So in Indiana, try to think back on this, uh, Mother's Day. Yeah. Were the restaurants open for Mother's Day? Well, they they began to open up shortly before. What? Uh, I don't know. No, I don't think so for the most part because the 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 summer of love mm-hmm. was the end of May, mm-hmm. in which you remember summer of love, where Malik Muhammad and a whole bunch of other people helped destroy downtown Indianapolis. And then you're, you're, yes, you're, I actually was driving from South Bend to Tallahassee. On that very weekend yeah. and made a stop at the Midwest Gun Exchange on oh, my way down. Yes. And then you remember Malik Mohammed led the angry group of lunatics to the governor's mansion and threatened to storm the governor's mansion on live TV. And then his punishment for that was that the governor had a VIP meet and greet with him, didn't put him in prison. And because the governor didn't put him in prison, then Malik went to Portland and is now spending 10 years in jail for allegedly, well, I guess he... he pled guilty to it, so I guess he says he did it, you know, attempted to kill police officers. Yeah, and I, I, I do you remember when Ron DeSantis was inviting the NBA to come down to yeah. practice in Florida yeah. because they were open in yeah. Florida? So, so th- yeah, so Mother's Day would have been before the summer of love took place here in Indianapolis. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and so at Mother's Day, Indiana was still right. locked down. But it was open in Florida. It was open in Florida. Yeah, okay. Because I, I was right out to brunch yeah. on so, Mother's Day. Here, and here's the thing with this guy. Trump didn't get most things done. If we're having an honest assessment about Trump, he said a lot of things. I think he tried to do a lot of things. But here is the reality. And Abdul and I talk about this all the time. The reality is in the world in which we live, you have to have a certain amount of buy-in from the establishment in order to effectively govern. Because they control the money, they control the resources, and they by and large control the media. Now, I'm, uh, I'm certainly not a person that says you got to cater to these people, you got to kowtow to them, you got to go along with them, but you got to have a certain level of buy in from these people in order to govern. And look at what happened to Trump. He tried in some capacity. Now, he put losers like Dan Coates or Mitch Daniels' wife, you know, or not Mitch, I'm sorry, Mitch, I'm sorry, Mitch Daniels' wife, Mitch McConnell's wife in his- <laughs> Much different. <laughs> no offense, Mrs. Daniels. I did not mean Mitch Daniels. Mitch McConnell's wife in his cabinet, and that stuff totally blew up in his face. But you have to be able to work with coalitions. You have to be able to coalition build, and that is what Ron DeSantis has done. Not only has he been able to flip the state Republican, Mm -hmm. he has been able to coalition build amongst Republicans in order to govern. And this call was so great because it's a guy who wants to be right in his wrongness. Donald Trump, the thing he was talking about with the Schedule F, did he get it done? No. 
So what? I had an idea. You're talking about the reclassification of federal employees. Right. The, he didn't get it done. What happened during COVID? He totally blew a hole in the deficit. He expanded all sorts of government programs and Trump wanted more than Biden. The people that are mad about Biden right now, Trump wanted another stimulus too. And the Republicans would have done it if Trump had won re-election. Don't lie to yourselves. It's why when hypocrites like Todd Young, and by the way, we talk about Todd Young and Eric Holcomb because they are our elected officials. Who else are we supposed to talk about? Todd Young would have totally voted for another stimulus had Donald Trump been the president. And so this is going to be the conversation, and it's great we have it now, and that's why we play phone calls on the air, because this is where the people are going to be the next couple of years after Ron DeSantis boat races Charlie Crist in a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. because Ron DeSantis is going to become 1A, 1B, whatever you want to call it with Trump, and people are going to have to get square on what they want. And he's got the money to do it, right. too. It's it's not like he's just going up against this billionaire with no money in his pocket. Right. He does. He's raised over $100 million. We got another call about Trump. So let's play that. Hey, Rob and Casey. Love your show. Got to disagree with you, Rob. Uh, Trump will be the 24 nominee for the Republican Party. <laughs> DeSantis is popular, but Trump has got a loyalty across the country, so it really won't be much of a race. I mean, Sanders will be in there, but Trump will be the the ultimate winner. So love the show. Keep up the good work. Thank you. There are so many people who are just so passionate with Trump. But politics is like dating. And I'm not saying that I have ever done this, but there may have been times where I was dating someone in a different life, a different person now. And a better option. You know, we're not the same people in our 20s that we are in our late 30s. The BBD came along, the uh, bigger, better deal. <laughs> is that what it is? Uh-huh. The BBD. Uh, and you say, wow, that was really nice, but this seems like a better option going forward. Mm-hmm. And when Ron DeSantis wins overwhelmingly in Florida, the message from Ron DeSantis, because he runs an ironclad ship over there in Florida. And those people- I I get what you did there because he's a Navy guy. Yeah, see what I did? Yeah, Yeah. thank you. Uh They are going to make that the case, which is I can win. Mm -hmm. I can win overwhelmingly in swing states and we have no path to the presidency without Arizona, Georgia, Florida, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Ohio. That's the case. And people will see that. And if they want to win, and it will become abundantly clear because Trump is going to behave like a lunatic. As soon as he gets a viable challenger, he'll come up with some nickname for DeSantis. He'll stab him in the back. He'll be mean to him. And people are going to look at those two guys because Trump can't help himself. And it's going to be very clear. Well, and Ron DeSantis can run on his accomplishments. Donald Trump cannot. And people can use... Things against Donald Trump from yes. his past. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, got a call. This has been a big thing, which is very encouraging to me. People calling in about the third party and the way they intend to vote this fall. I like this. Take a listen. Hi, Rob and Casey. Love you guys. Uh, this is Jessica from the greatest county in Indiana, Henry County. <laughs> um, I called referring to a gentleman that called, I think, a couple weeks ago saying that um, there's no reason to vote for libertarians. We're a two party system. And I have to strongly agree. If you look at the history of America, you know, there's no longer a Whig party or a Federalist party or a Free Soil party or a Democrat-Republican party. 
um, those come and go and new ones come in. And if people just stick to their guns and vote libertarian, uh, I think it will be a new party. Um, not new, but a party worth voting for. And God knows that's who I'll be voting for every chance I get. So I agree with her in principle, which is the libertarians getting the 10% in the secretary of state's race will dramatically change Indiana politics and holding the Republicans accountable. If you're a person who has been mad at Eric Holcomb, if you are a person who's been mad about the Republican legislature holding on to $1,500 of your money, if you're a person who's been mad about the growth of government, if you're a person who's been mad about the record taxes, you can send the biggest message this fall by voting for Jeff Moore in the Secretary of State's race because the 10, he doesn't have to win, it's 10%. It's a very low bar to hop over. If you want to mental pretzel yourself because you're scared of Schumer into voting for the Duke of Spendingburg, Todd Young, that's okay. You can split ticket vote. And I think there's going to be a lot of people mm-hmm. that are going to do that because the libertarians are super blessed that Diego Morales is arguably the worst candidate the Republicans have ever had to run for statewide office. And I think you're seeing a lot of people that are going to split ticket vote. I think... Excuse me. I think okay? that, yeah, I just had to clear my throat. I know, I get emotional thinking about I, it as well. The Libertarian's getting that 10%. Uh, it chokes about, me up, too. I'm worked up about it, Rob. I think that if uh, Jeff Moore does win here in Indiana, that will send a big message nationwide. Sure. But as she was listing off all of those parties, it reminded me of one that she left off the list, which is now regaining strength, oh. which is the Tea Party movement. Well, that's right. And so... We'll see what happens, Uh, but I love, love, love the people that are willing to split ticket vote. Look, I I get this all the time. I am not advocating that you go in and vote for all libertarians. I have no idea who the, in Henry County, I have no idea who some of these local libertarians are who are running. I'm not telling you to do that. There are Republicans I'm going to vote for this. Well, there's one Republican I'm going to vote for this fall. Daniel Elliott, the state treasurer. He's earned my vote. Vote for the best person regardless of what their 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 party is. And if they haven't earned your vote, leave it blank. Yep, Hammer's up next. Yeah, it's Ken Only Casey on 93 WIBC. Good morning. Good morning, 1049 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC and Hammer's joining us in the studio. And you had a guest yesterday on your show. It was very pa- powerful and very moving. Jeff Blackwell is his name, and his daughter, Samaria, was one of the victims in the FedEx massacre that took place just a little bit over a year ago. Mm -hmm. And again, this is a dad who's not into politics, right? You know, you could tell by talking to this guy and then listening to his story, this isn't a guy that cares if you're a Republican or a Democrat, but he has put himself out there because he is sided with Cindy Carrasco to be the prosecutor in Marion County mm-hmm. because he doesn't want to have what happened to his daughter happen to somebody else. Because Ryan Mears, the incumbent prosecutor who's on the ballot here in a few weeks, completely dropped the ball on the red flag law in Indiana. And because of his incompetence, his laziness, his woke whatever, He basically ignored the red flag law against the lunatic that ultimately shot the FedEx facility up. Mm. And because of that, he's never going to see his daughter again. So it was a really powerful hour Mm -hmm. yesterday watching this father who, again, did not ask for any of this attention, doesn't want to be known as somebody that's a politico at all, basically just beg and plead that if you want somebody that's competent 
somebody that's going to take care of the law, you have to vote out Ryan Mears. And that red flag law is important because we always hear from the government, well, we need this law, we need that law, we need more of this, we need more of that. The law was in place. Ryan Mears had this dude on his radar and didn't do his job. That's correct. And consider how much Ryan Mears talks about how guns are bad, right? This is the anti-gun guy, right? Ryan Mears, guns are bad. For somebody that says guns are the end-all to be-all of the things that are going to bring down society, he sure does ignore a lot of gun things and give sweetheart plea deals to guys that have gun issues. Throws just a bracelet on these people. And he's the first one to blame everybody else, too. Oh, well, it's the judges. It's the court system. No, you're the head of the snake here in Marion County. And I said this yesterday. And again, these are my words, not anybody else's. Certainly not the words of the father yesterday. But this is a stepping stone for Ryan Mears, the prosecutor's office. This is a dude who wants to be the mayor. He doesn't want to be the prosecutor. He wants to be the mayor. So he views this job as a stepping stone to get to where he wants to be. But Samaria Blackwell should not be a stepping stone. The nine people who lost their lives that day are not stepping stones. And it's absolutely gross and disgusting that this guy wants to be a career politician and just view this as something that's on his resume. Let me ask you something, Hammer. This may be more of a personal question for you, because in broadcasting, we can become cynical. Not me. <laughs> I'm always optimistic about our government and politicians. Everybody except for Sunshine and Roses, Rob Kendall. Yes. <laughs> did, did speaking with him yesterday have any effect on you? I was nervous. In a way that you weren't expecting. I really was nervous, and I don't get nervous for anything. Like, I've taken my pants off for broadcast and videos before. You guys know this. <laughs> I have broadcast from the Super Bowl. I have done Indy 500s. I've done, you know, political conventions. I've done it all. There's nothing pretty much I haven't done in my radio career. Yeah. But I did not want this dad to come off as he's being used as a political pawn. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because again, and I can't stress this enough, he's not into politics. Yeah. Like prior to the FedEx massacre, I'm not sure if Jeff Blackwell knew who the prosecutor was yeah. in Marion County. But now he knows that that prosecutor let a lot of people down, including his family, and now they're never going to see their daughter again. Let's close with something positive. I heard this driving into work yesterday. The Our sister station, 107.5, the fan, uh, Kevin and Query, had this conversation. So IU is going to play Kentucky again. They've announced they're resuming that rivalry, I think, in 2025. In basketball, yes. Right, right. And they got into a great discussion about what is the better way to do this. Is it better to play it at each school, like Assembly Hall and then play it in, in Lexington. Or like when we were kids, it used to be that that was at the Hoosier Dome and then Freedom Hall in Kentucky and back and forth. And they had a great discussion about this. I really would like to see it back at like Lucas Oil Stadium so more people could engage in the rivalry. And I just thought that was a fascinating discussion. I'm a campus sites guy. Yeah, right? I know. Just because I love the atmosphere you get. Like, yes, more people can go to the game if you put it at Lucas or uh, the what's it, the Yum Center yeah. now down in mm -hmm. Louisville or whatever. But now I like the campus sites. I want the bands. I want the banners. Mm -hmm. I want mean student sections. Like when Kentucky comes to Indiana, I want that feeling like the watch shot and vice versa. When, Ken when Indiana goes down to Kentucky, they should have to play in Rupp Arena 
and Big Blue Nation should give them hell. That's part of the big-time college experience. What's coming up this afternoon? Uh, the coach, Dan Dockich, will join us. Abdul will come by, and we'll have the biggest stories of the day. Beer Sample Friday. Nice. Thanks, Hammer. Thank it's you. Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.